0: As a firefighter, the biggest thing I control is my own personal attitude. If my attitude is still positive, it doesn't matter. If I'm on the job for the right reason, it doesn't matter because I can't control that we have, in in some cases, people being promoted and moving up the ranks that probably don't really need to be there, didn't earn their way to the top. Firefighters, you have to control your own attitude. Go read something. Look at these podcasts. Um, engage with firefighters outside your own organization. Go to a conference if you can. And for officers, you got to control what you control.
1: Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Firehouse Vigilance, it is Weekly Scrap number 193. My guest tonight has been involved with the fire service Since he was 16 years old, spent more than 30 years with the city of Atlanta, where he basically did everything under the sun. Um, If there is such a thing as a renaissance firefighter man, my guest tonight fits the bill. He's been heavily involved in training. He has designed curriculum. He has taught at conferences. He founded Fire Life Training. He's been fired, rehired, demoted, re-promoted, um he has awards for distinction bravery uh his friends describe him as quiet and keeps his opinions to himself and if you know him um he absolutely never calls out bs if he sees it all of that is so true It's so very true here's the deal I, I, hold on i i pulled up this is the funny part real quick i pulled up your old scrap to get your info and bio ready and i was reading the old info and bio which is still 100% accurate uh 193 Todd Edwards, it is my honor to call you a friend. It is a pleasure to have you as the guest of Weekly Scrap 193. Welcome, my brother.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I think you covered uh, uh, everything. Some of it was everything else sounded good. Uh,
1: John McCoy says, if you're not pumped for Todd Edwards, scrapping on a Saturday night, you ain't living. And he said living with all caps. (laughs) Jeff Stone said, the real chief, let's get after it from Zach Paste, My dude, pivot, monkey, dog. That's from Brad Bennett. I'm just trying to to fill everybody. Uh, Where was it at? Sorry. First line fire service training said, what's up, guys? I've got a lot of questions. Let's go. That's that's Dennis Riley. Uh, Christopher Ledoux said, the man, the myth, the legend. Man, dude, there's so many people excited to see you.
0: I don't. <laughs> that, some of them just saw me, so that's good. I think that's a good thing. I'm. Not, it's a kind of a relief that I didn't offend too many people this past week.
1: I'm letting them log in here. BJ Breacher says, "Love me some Todd Edwards." Three bugled firefighter checking in from James Mitchellisco. Man, I just learned how to pronounce your name right too from one of your buddies, James, and I don't know if I remembered how to do it. Uh, <laughs> Todd Edwards, legend of advancing hose, Carolina Beach. My my thing keeps scrolling. I'm trying to read. Chris Red said, let's get it tonight. Great to see you all this week. Dude, it was good to meet you there, Chris. I enjoyed getting to talk to you. Sean Egan said, hey, brothers, looking forward to the show. We got everybody. We got everybody. This is awesome. Ryan Neal said, got a six-pack of Coors. Uh, it says Colors Light. I'm going <laughs> to assume he meant Coors Light, not like a Colors Rainbow Light. Well. Th- oh, he says the mountains are blue. The mountains are blue. There, there you go. go. All right, just dialing in. Tennessee checking in from Todd Torbert. Okay. That was a, that's enough. Uh, everybody. Absolutely. Lots of, uh, hype coming in. Uh, let's get the, let's get everything else out of the way. Vigilantes. If you're not a vigilante, you are missing out plain and simple. We got to get together on, uh, at the first night out there at COBC on the beach at the dock and had a blast. Uh, I tried to chop my head off with a ceiling fan, um, <laughs> but it was a good time. So if you're not a vigilante, go to go to firehousevigilance.com and and let's uh, absolutely uh, make be, become a part of it. Um, housekeeping. Let's get it out of the way. Kyle's here to grab all your questions. Everybody, I can't say thanks enough to Kyle and everything he does for the scrap. And every, no one gets to see it. He's just sitting there grabbing your questions so that I'm not stumbling over words. Affordable drill towers, home of the affordable drill tower and the affordable standpipe prop firefighter, owned and operated, you can pump and roll using the affordable standpipe prop. The affordable standpipe prop fits through most classroom doorways for standpipe theory. Then you roll into the parking lot and pump. It comes with six standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized to the kind of thing you have in your jurisdiction. Man, call Steve, eight four four five five tower or drop an email to info at com. And I love, love, love Keyhose. Uh, it's what we use at my department. Keyhose They are the original OG sponsors of the scrap. Check them out, The Hose Experts. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out, The Hose Experts, Key Hose. Uh, And of course, I love Flame Decon. I love Next Rung, so I give them support as often as I can. Um, With all that being said, all the housekeeping out of the way, it's time to get after it. Hold on, I got to read more to you, Todd. There's so much (laughs) more coming in. Uh, uh kevin trap said one of the best in our profession i love it dennis raleigh said oh that's a question i'll get to the questions <laughs> Todd gets the good nugget notebook that may mean something to you the good nugget notebook
0: uh well i
1: that's thing- from john mccoy john mccoy said that so i don't know if it means something to you
0: uh no not off the top of my head but that doesn't mean anything
1: fair enough your your your, your memory's right there with mine i know <laughs> uh Buddy Clickstein said, "Theodore Dawes, fire rescue, first shift, checking in, watching." Howard Reinwald wants you to know he would kiss you. I would kiss
0: him. <laughs> uh, Frank leaves said, "Hello, one of my favorite people."
1: Everybody loves Howard. Frank leaves said, "Hello, brothers. Let's get to two million views." Which that's what that's what scrolled by, and I started laughing. So uh, I love 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 it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Here we go uh let's get to the questions let's get to the let's get to the scrap uh am i missing anything no passion for training let's start right there i'm just going to throw a soft toss to you something that's right in your wheelhouse you can crush it passion how do you instill passion for training passion for getting better
0: i think uh one of the things that we're kind of lacking in some parts of the country in all reality it isn't the desire, but it's kind of developing the next instructor. Sometimes I just read this really, really uh, short article that David Rhodes put out. Um, and I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, we need to do such a better job in developing the next wave of the Corley Moores mm-hmm. And we need to develop the next, you know, Steve Robertson's Ray McCormack's and, and share both our experiences as instructors. and And they bring their experiences to the table, too. Yeah, I think that's sometimes where we're missing the the ball a bit. When we talk about that passion around the firehouse, man, That that's, and I say this in, in leadership development all the time. I don't believe there's anything really as a, what people refer to as a shitty firefighter as a battalion chief, I would just walk up to the captain's office and typically it's the captain. And then after that, you probably go to the battalion chief's office in some cases, but Wow, we have to be so on point, and if the company officer can't bring that passion, and that desire, and that want, and that love to train nice. these people up, he's got to. I I just don't see how, I, I, and you've been to thousands of classes like myself, and sometimes that instructor, you can tell, is kind of going through the motions versus, uh, how many miles did you do the other day, Corley? Uh, with Tank? Or no 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 in your classroom brother,
1: <laughs> I, I ended, that was at twenty three thousand steps, which I was trying to figure out how many thousand steps equal how many point whatever miles. But no, it ended up being <laughs> quite quite a bit that day.
0: But I, 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 I know not everybody has those personalities, but that passion for it is such a big deal. And then what if if the instructor is bringing that enthusiasm and the excitement and the passion for the training. It really can instill guys and you hear guys say it after every conference, man, I need that recharge. I need that recharge. Man, I don't want guys to have to come to a conference for a recharge. I want those guys to go to damn firehouses in their own districts and their own cities that have that passion and have that re I felt recharged every day going to work. I think that's one of the things when we instill and when the company officer and the instructor brings that, man, it's so powerful for those guys moving forward. And that's how those guys are going to be the next instructors uh, for our, for our industry. And that's, and that's got to happen sooner or later. Not everybody's going to be able to do this that long.
1: Dude, I love it. I love it. And uh, are you talking about David Rhodes, lighting up Francis? Is that the article? Cause I just, I just read yes. lighting up. Yes. I love the article, man. When he talked about my, my, uh, my class, uh, something about anyway, but, but yeah, the lighten up Francis article. If you haven't read it, everybody go out there. Uh, Fire engineering, David Rhodes just wrote it lighten up Francis. Great article. And it is all about the, the ownership and the um, and the fire service doesn't belong to any of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's pretty much what the article was kind of talking right. about. I guess he had gotten a email or he'd read something where one instructor was bashing another instructor about that's my subject matter. Well, it's really not. Yeah, you know, hose does not belong to any of us. Uh, search does not belong to one specific instructor. Right. And I thought one of the key points in that there are certain things that, and certain ways I teach, and me and Kyle Ramgis are exact, perfect examples. One, Kyle is a big, strong bear, and I'm not. So the way we push stairs isn't wrong the way I do it, but I just do it differently. Right. So it really kind of helps feed off of that, those skill sets. And, you know, Kyle Ramgis does not owned pushing stairs or pushing hallways. That's something he's learned, and that's something other people have learned, and then we modified to fit. Different, uh, different body types and mechanics. I'm a big believer in the mechanics of things. Not everybody can do, you know, the full push. So that's what kind of way I kind of look at those things. Uh, And I love that's why I said when I read the article and then as he capped it off for the people that never had seen the movie Stripes, right? That was the best (laughs) part. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, uh, yes, Uh, no, he absolutely has. and I won't go too long into 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 my love of David Rhodes, but he he just has such a ability to talk like he's talking to you in his article. I love yeah. it, man. I want to. I had an article half uh, basically done that I was going to submit to to publish, and then I read his article. I'm like, man, I got to rewrite my article <laughs> just because how good it sounds. <laughs> uh, all right, um, there are so many questions coming in. Like Romagus is pasting them like crazy. But whenever I uh, Saturday night, for those that don't know, was it Saturday? No, today is Saturday. Yeah, Thursday night. I had to move the scrap for Monday because of my own ineptitude at at booking, and I had to go. I was walking through uh, the Hilton at COBC, and Todd Edwards was standing there. I said, "Todd, what are you doing Saturday night?" He's like, "I should be back home." I was like, "You want to do a scrap?" He said, "Yes." I said, "Perfect." So <laughs> that's where this came from. And so, long story short, I posted it as soon as I could. And Joe Driver wanted to have the first question for yes. Todd. He yes, he, te- yes. he, he texted me. He texted me the
0: driver question.
1: Before the Facebook went live, he texted me and said, and I said, hey, yeah, absolutely. His question is, Todd, with your experience, how do you get into the conference arena and keep your even keel demeanor?
0: So if he's talking about, you know, uh, if he's talking about the presentation part of it, um, to be honest, and it may seem kind of stupid, but when I'm, mowing my grass, walking my dogs, um, or in my office alone, I literally rehearse how I want to approach each, you know, lecture or class, small, big, medium, all kind of fluctuate. I, and I hope I got this question right the way it's worded. But there are times, and I don't care how long you do this, I felt like my class on Thursday this past week. I just when I got done, I said, "Man, something's missing." I and I don't know what it is yet. I'm hoping somebody else send me an email or some feedback. Um, but yeah, that's and I think that reevaluation all the time,
1: right?
0: Uh, kind of like a personal after action review of how you did. Um, you know, because your buddies are gonna lie to you and always come up, "Man, that was awesome." Yeah, <laughs> I really want to hear one that's not awesome so I can make those corrections. But um, for the kind of go back to Joe's overall question, man, it's just a lot of practice and rehearsal. You know, if you think you're just going to walk up there with, you know, a hundred PowerPoint mm-hmm. slides and knock it out of the park, you're way off base.
1: Yeah. You're going to have at least 400.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but nobody things. clicks like you. <laughs> uh, no, I
1: don't have, I don't have the ability. He can clarify if he's in here. I don't have the, because it, he texted me the question and I'm not sure if he's in here yet or not. Uh, but um Hey, I caught like 75% of your class I got to catch. I had to step out to, for a meeting, but I caught 75%. Of you crushed it. It was awesome. My thing is, man, and this is completely off topic. This is me just uh, happy to talk to you, is how do you have that ability to single somebody out in a crowd of 500 and ask them a question, and yet you don't really, you have a gift for not making them feel like they're under a microscope. Does that make sense? What I'm, like like you, you relax them while you put them on the spot.
0: <laughs> um, it, it's really more, um, tone and approach, but I, when I first started teaching, I was trying to be very, there's certain guys that can pull this off. Dave McGrail is professional from his introduction to his closing, just, just consummate professional. I feel like, you know, I've I watched other guys sometimes go, man, I can't, I, I wish I could do that. I can't do that. Right. Right. But I've always taken the interaction approach as I'm sitting right like we are right now. I I literally try to teach the way me and you're just sitting here BSing on the weekly scrap. And I think guys appreciate that from the, you know, more of that firehouse around the kitchen table teaching style um, is what I'm comfortable with. And that's the other thing. If you're not comfortable with doing it, it's it's tough, man. it, It can be intimidating standing up there and seeing 300 people staring at you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> even if you're used to doing it it's intimidating all right i got to get to questions because there are they are flying kyle is pasting uh rapidly all right smith megan wants to know megan smith i'll read it right even though that is the facebook name what made you decide you wanted to teach
0: oh god it's so easy um one learning lessons from my father when i was 16 years old as a no absolutely nothing uh firefighter or cadet at that time and him you know i thought was interesting and now we have you know big technical terms for the way we teach but it was very step by step you know this is the fire hydrant these is the caps and this the thread this the operating nut uh this is all how we identify uh supply colors and it was very step by step and that really made it easier for me to learn. And then my very first captain in Atlanta, this guy was a machine when it came to training. And um, for the people that are, you know, a little bit younger, we just have these things called chalkboards and you had to actually write everything. You could, didn't have notes and printers.
1: Sammy, hold up, Todd. Sammy, if you're here, Todd, Todd's volume is very low to the broadcast. I'm getting notified. How about now? No, I don't think it's your end. I think it's the broadcasting. He may be able oh, to do okay. the okay. do the slider up. I'm checking to see if he's there. Turn him up.
0: How about that?
1: Is it better? Everybody let me know in the audience. Is it better? <laughs> There's a delay, so we'll see. Is it better? Just a break. We had to break Todd's flow. He was getting into a good good kick. Let me know Kyle if it's better. Keep talking, Todd.
0: All right. Uh yeah, I just uh damn, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> on the question. Give me that question again. It'll, it'll, it'll dial me back. What again. got you,
1: what what made you decide you wanted to teach? And you were talking okay, about that. Yeah, you were talking about you. what you didn't know. Yeah.
0: So my, my captain, he, he would literally write, you know, 10, 20, 30 questions on a chalkboard every single day, or it'd be three questions in a hands-on drill, or it'd be drawing out our whole district. And then we had to come in and fill in the streets of where they were at. And so I was just really watching so many other people. And then I, I pretty young in my career i started just helping at the academy when i say helping i was just throwing pallets on fire that was that that was my teaching level throwing pallets on fires and that watching and learning and seeing the impact these guys had it was it was really kind of cool and it's kind of a way to always give back and the as the further you move up in the food chain whether it's driver lieutenant captain chief whatever you've got to have that ability uh and hopefully you have that love and that passion to help train because, like I said, not just on the instructor side, but as young as the fire service is right now, we we better be trained in and communicating with these guys all the time.
1: All right, everybody, I have two things to say. First, Fast Wrench. Love Dave Prescott, love Fast Wrench. I was supposed to have a shirt to wear tonight on the scrap that was all about Fast Wrench because, A, Dave Prescott loves Todd Edwards, and Todd Edwards does, in fact, love the – but instead, I'm rocking, uh, Todd Edwards or Todd Edwards, uh, Robert Ramirez, the Mayday Mindset Varsity AF. It did not arrive. It did not arrive before we went live. So, um, that's what I wanted to say. That second thing, I'm really working hard on this, guys. Everybody out there in, in Facebook land and, uh, who listens to this. If you hear something, I try to timestamp good. I have my pen. I got my notepad. If you hear something that's a really good rant from Todd, please let me know. Uh, message it to me and say, holy crap scrap 193 at 8 minute mark when Todd talked about training and why he got into it. I love that rant. The only way I can find him right now is to go back and listen to him in real time and it takes it takes an enormous amount of time. So I'm asking everybody listening and everybody out there in Facebook land and 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 scrapping. When you hear a good rant, let me know cuz I'm going to start shrinking those down into sound bites and releasing them to get more people and, and to spread the message of the scrap. So anyway, those two things I wanted to say. All right. Um continuing. Back to all of the questions coming in. Eventually, I'll get there. Talk to me, Todd. Let me hear how you sound.
0: Okay, how is that better for you now, Corley? Or I'm going to wait. It's it's,
1: you, you've been great for me. I'm waiting to hear how Kyle hears it out oh, there in okay. Facebook, Facebook land. So as soon as Kyle lets me know it's good, I'll let Sam know it's good, and we will crush it. I mean, Dennis Riley's the next question. I'll, I'll just throw it at you while I wait for Kyle to reply to me. First line fire service training. Dennis Riley wants to know, three things the traditional fire academies don't do a good job on training new firefighters.
0: Uh, typically, and again, it's really size driven. Uh, less time looking at 5,000 PowerPoints and more time with the hands on. Uh, we did a program when I was part time in Walton County that we developed in our students only had, we only had them for a few hours at the end of each day. So we put them on all um, learning. These high school kids were doing all the class pretty much via computer. And then when they would see us, it was solely hands-on, not not three days of stretching hose. We would stretch hose and stretch hose and stretch hose, sample ladders, search, BAs, everything. But then one of the things that uh, that i recommend for any academy don't wait to the end to put all the skills together so if i go from rapid dress to stretch i'm going to add that they're going to start at the kitchen table they have to go out to a rig they have to get dressed and then they have to stretch a line and we could be doing that in the academies um you know there's just just long drawn out periods especially in a large academy there's just not enough reps uh right. smaller academy, that 10, 12, 15, that sweet spot in there, then they should be getting – they should walk into a firehouse having pulled uh, 25 miles of fire hose, you know, throwing 8,000 feet of ladders. But in some cases, they did ladders back in week six and haven't touched a ladder since they passed their firefighter one test and not really done drills with ladders. And it should be realistic drills not your standard wide-ass open parking lot and burn building, but, you know, having wires and techniques of getting underneath wires and around trees and over fences and everything else that they're going to actually encounter out in field operations. And I think that's one area I would definitely say, Dennis, that we need to do a much, much, much better job on. Did you get a volume uh, update, Corley? They turned Corley off. <laughs> you got no sound. Let me see this.
1: Never mind. I hit my <laughs> mute, but I—I no, I hit my mute button when I was trying to turn me down. So I'm sitting here talking, <laughs> going nuts. Uh. Everybody's letting me know. This is a good one, man. This is like the old days with all the scrap issues. This is awesome. I know. Uh, uh yeah, he's muted now. Okay, let me know. Todd versus my level, and we're gonna try we we'll figure this out together. We're really good at this. Technical difficulty.
0: How yeah, How's it did Kyle uh comment on my sound?
1: Kyle says you uh, yeah, Kevin Fluger said Corley's boozing too much. I'm 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 very lightly into this. This is very early in. <laughs> Um, I'm waiting to, I'm waiting to get the update. Okay. Kyle says Todd is much better. Very, and he made it very all caps, very big, like 42 points. Todd is much better. Let me know Facebook. Hey, just keep saying in there thumbs up or thumbs down. Whether the sound is good. We're going to keep plugging along. Greg Van Ham said Todd is better now. Howard Weinwald said, it's like talking to my wife, which (laughs) is probably, I I think he means it's like being in paradise. Okay. Technical difficulties. Quit trying to derail us. Howard elaborated, said, I see his lips moving, but I hear nothing. All right. Um, Got Dennis Riley's question. Okay, this one comes from Joey Hayes, one of my favorite people in the world. Ask Todd, what is walk the dog in quotation marks? when referring to a fire or firefighting? Um, Sometimes I don't know when there's an inside joke, so you have to roll with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, During the uh, Cotton Mill fire, where the rescue from the crane, all that was, uh, years ago, I was a very, very uh, young lieutenant, and I was also not – I was still in firefighter brain all the time. And when we got up to the uh, actual fire floor – uh, and you can see all this if you never watched the Cotton Mill, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you may want to look at that, Corley. <laughs> I did. I used to have like more hair, and it was a different color. <laughs> um, but as I've, seen some, I've seen some. I've seen some YouTube videos of a fire, hero. That's all I'm saying. I looked up, and the uh, fire was literally running the elevator shaft. And I came right over the radio, and I said, "You know," told the uh, incident commander that the fire was walking the dog on us. I don't know why that just came out probably because I was Punker Factor 10 because the way this fire blew up on us. But, uh, yeah, that's where that came from, Joey, the uh, cotton mill fire in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's on YouTube. You can pull it all up. And uh, it's not even HD. Yeah, it was on America. I don't know if you know for the older guys, it was on American Heat and that's how we just get all our training was American Heat tapes. I, I was on American Heat and I thought man this is great. Nothing better is ever going to happen to me. I was on American Heat.
1: Mr. October said Kevin McCart and <laughs> and Smoothbore Kyle said I should have opened the scrap with Todd's episode of American Heat. I really oh, should have. I awesome. w- <laughs> I wish I would have thought of it.
0: Yeah. I really not do. Technical difficulties. That's just what shit looks like without HD.
1: <laughs> right on, man. All right. Uh, walk the dog. This fire is walking the dog. Uh, Tom Hollick, one of the best mustaches in Texas. One of. It's a, it's a, there's a lot uh, of competition there. Where did you get your mindset on how you instruct? I have had the pleasure of watching you instruct, and you have the ability to pull people in. I would love to understand where that comes from.
0: Uh, that's kind of two things. One, I'm not 100% sure myself even where it comes from. I have a, a once I get the first two minutes kind of out of my head, I just kind of let it flow. And I'm, I'm more comfortable talking to the students or the people in the room uh, because I want, and legitimately, and maybe this is where part of it comes from, I legitimately want to hear what other people are thinking, what their passions are, what their desires are when it comes to this job. And I think that makes it better. 400 people in that room the other day Uh, I'm not the smartest guy in that room. And I've gone to every place where I've got 10 students in a small room. And I know there's guys in that room that can teach me something, but more importantly, teach your brothers right there in the room on their own fire department something. And again, it's just one of those, I'm very comfortable with talking uh, to the students. It's one of my favorite things. I love interaction. I think it makes it for a better class and program uh i was uh when firemanship was still around the very first time i did firemanship i asked the guy in the back row of the balcony that i couldn't even see him all i could see was his red hat and i asked him a question back row balcony and he actually he yelled down i had the answer so um yeah i will definitely call him. it doesn't matter where you sit so back row front row i usually get the guys in the back row more than i do damn front row so But I think the interaction really helps. I think, like PowerPoint keeps on point, questions keep keep – I don't pre-write any questions either. Literally, I swear to God, people, they are right off the hip based on how the class is flowing sometimes.
1: No, I feel that when I'm in there watching you you flow. It's awesome, man. Uh, Greg Van Ham wants to know, Todd, how do you deal with leadership that put the wrong people into officers' positions? What can the younger guys do when this happens? Nothing but nothing but soft tosses, brother.
0: Yeah, that that one's got a little more of a curve on her. Uh, the one thing it definitely as a firefighter it makes it even harder because you're you're almost hamstrung to a certain degree. But for officers that experience this, uh, and you probably you've heard this advice even on this show, I control what I control. I control my firehouse. I control my duties and my company on my alarms. As a firefighter, the biggest thing I control is my own personal attitude. If if my attitude is still positive, it doesn't matter. If I'm on the job for the right reason, it doesn't matter because I can't control that we have in those in some cases, well, in a lot of cases, people being promoted and moving up the ranks that probably don't really need to be there hmm. or didn't earn their way to the top, um, but... Firefighters, you have to control your own attitude. Go read something. Look at these podcasts. Um, engage with firefighters outside your own organization. Go to a conference if you can. And for officers, you got to control what you control. You know, you may have a crap battalion chief or a crap supervisor, whatever you're operating under. But I never got too wrapped up in that. Well, I was always wrapped up in it. But at the firehouse, that did not come up very often. I mean, we're focused on us and our and my team and our team. Is what we really worried about the most.
1: Love it, and and that's it. Focus on what you can control. I mean, that re- it, it's a, it's a tried answer. It's a it's an answer you hear over and over, but that's because it's the truth, man. It's, yeah. it's it's the absolute truth. If you waste your influence on things you have no control over, you're just spinning your tires and wasting energy.
0: Sam, most of those guys just end up getting blustered, burned out, and you know, and will give up. Yep. but. Again, I, I don't need my boss to tell me I can go out there and practice SCBA and mask up drills with my gloves on without any of the supervision. So.
1: That's it, man. That's that's solid advice. Sam Sparichello says, question. The best firefighters have the most knowledge to share, but some are reluctant to teach formally, even though they have some uh, very, a lot of instructional value. How do we get those folks to see their value as instructors and take the stigma out of teaching as being lame?
0: Uh, for the, for, if it's going to stay in, you may never get that guy to go to, you know, Pensacola or FDIC or Firehouse Expo. But if you at least get him teaching around the firehouse and just, you know, really express you know, and, and that may be his comfort level. The firehouse may be more of a comfort level for him, Sam, a senior guy like that. I don't think they're holding things back on purpose. I just think that's, you know, just not their personality not their wheelhouse to go and teach but if you can get them to maybe pull one guy to the side or you start him off with hey uh you know steve can you show me how to do this because you know the guy's an expert at it right maybe soften them up that way a little bit I, I know it's tough not everybody's into that you know some guys they're going to be outstanding go-to firemen but they're not comfortable uh sharing or you know they're not not They may not know how to share it, so you may want to try to start off just a one-on-one, you and this individual, you know, if you're in that kind of situation yourselves. So, yeah, that can be tough because not everybody wants to, uh, you know, stand around and talk all day or, you know, do drills for eight solid hours.
1: Yes, and I want to springboard off what Todd said because as part of your question uh, peaks my uh, radar, when you say, because uh, there are there are absolutely people that are never comfortable getting in front of others, no matter how good they are. Absolutely, has personality types and everything like that. But if the part where you ended and said, "How do we get away from teaching being lame?" That if 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 teaching and making other people better is lame in your organization, you're existing in a toxic culture, and, and that's a, that's a cultural issue when when it's lame. To make firefighters better at this job, to make them more competent and more confident, and so that's something that just has to be uh, addressed and say that's not acceptable. Now, there's a difference between I'm not comfortable getting in front of people, and I'm uh, you know I'd rather not. And there's a and hey, you're lame if you do this, and that's toxicity, plain and simple.
0: Yeah, Corley's is 100 right, and you know, and sometimes you go back to that that famous saying, you know, just ignore the mutts because people that believe that. They're mutts of our job. They may be okay guys or good guys, you know, firemen, but they're still mutts because it's kind of self-centered on their part for them not to share.
1: I love this next question coming at you. It's it's from Dave Prescott, or I assume face. it's from Fast So I'm assuming Dave Prescott, but great question. If there was ever a Clint Eastwood in bunker gear, it is Todd Edwards. Okay, and and that picture, man, that salty ass picture I got to use for this is awesome, but not the point. Uh, The tie into the spaghetti western is this: what is the good, the bad, and the ugly of putting on large training modules?
0: I'm right. I'm I'm taking notes now, bro. That's actually
1: a really good class name, too. By the way.
0: Yeah, I've said. (laughs) Wow,
1: let's steal that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dave.
0: So the the good part of the larger conferences is the number of firefighters you're actually getting to touch, meet, talk to, learn from. Uh, I spent a bunch of time this past this past week with very young, just kind of coming on the job firefighters, and it was fascinating to hear their takes and their opinions about the conferences. Almost every single one said they kind of learned about it by watching the scraps. Some of them didn't know there's these other conferences. Even going on, until they start watching the scrap on a regular basis. The bad is the number of people again. <laughs> it's kind of, it, it is very hard and to because my number one concern. And we have a, a very simple business model. I kind of use this as a you know, it's not even a model; it's, it's such wrong terminology. But I kind of use this perspective, both the lecture and hands on. It's it's about student first. So when I say students first, that's where when we have 130 guys doing hands-on, it can get really bad as far as making sure. Because I, I probably worry more about it than the students do. And I want that I want that 22-year-old kid to get, you know, 40 doors if, if I had time. Uh, I want to build able stretched hose, you know, until the hose has holes in it. But when we get those numbers up, Dave, that can be just really, really difficult. But that's this part of the bad of it. Um, the ugly is the misconceptions, I think. So when I say misconceptions, one, anybody who's really running these micro conferences and you can go talk to almost all of them because you see one all the time. Right. Nobody's getting rich out here. And I I don't want anybody out there to think that the (laughs) the guys, um, you know, like myself or Corley or Mo or or, uh, Clyde, all these guys out teaching, none of us are getting rich doing this it's not what we do it for the ugly side of that is that people make assumptions because they see us at this event this event this event oh my god these guys are killing it They must be flying first class around the world that's not the case so i think that's probably the ugly part of that dave but i i don't really focus on the bad or the guys kind of really focus on the good of things so the good part of the doing these events is play, you know The other ugly part is when my wife's helping me and we just were like this (laughs) for three months. But (laughs) that's probably the ugliest part for me. (laughs) All right,
1: everybody. Hold on. We're checking. All right. Sam's on top of it, everybody. But yeah, your volume went. It was what through the roof. It did. Oh, randomly. I think it's back down now. I will see
0: so we can't Bobby, we started low then we went up here
1: <laughs> it's no great answer it spiked in the middle of the answer and it was like i, I even turned down my little volume control but I was like, oh, okay so anyway no big deal i don't think it's anything you did i think it's just uh
0: no i haven't touched it i have not touched my computer since you came on just for that damn reason
1: keep giving me thumbs up if it's good scrappers just just throw a thumbs up if it's okay if it's not okay i don't know what the opposite i guess easy <laughs> never mind um and we'll we'll adjust uh one thing i can say is and i've never got to sit through it but I, i've heard it through, so many times through the conferences that you're in charge of the hands-on you always give the speech that hey this is about the students period if you have a question if you have a question what's going to make the students experience better let that be your guiding light and go and and do that such clarity that's such a great expectation to give everybody
0: it's again, that's a mindset though. When we talk about that mindset, if it isn't about the students, and we're really, if it's about you, you shouldn't be teaching. Um, actually, I got fired, so I don't want to get too far away from it. I think, uh, your statement, I brought I it down because I was there was something in my head about it only egotistical assholes refuse to learn.
1: Love
0: that <laughs> I think when egotistical assholes are worried about themselves in front of the class and the whole class is this is what I do. I'm mm-hmm. the smartest guy in the room, I would say something else but I'm not going to um that guy doesn't need to be up in front of that room. that's that the egotistical part of guys teaching that that has to lead the table, and that's why it's always about the students first. If they need one rep or forty reps, we're gonna stay out there all night if we have to, but I want to make sure the guys whether they paid, it's free, whatever it is, that they get it, that they go back with everything they wanted.
1: Right on, bro. right on. We haven't even dented the questions. So I hope you are I hope you <laughs> got energy drink or something. Good, the bad, the ugly. Love it. Timothy James, Ramsey Dixon says, I heard the line, knowledge without experience is just a theory. Last week, loved it. Made me want to ask, is there a minimum amount of a jo- on-the-job experience you should have before you instruct at an academy? What's your thoughts on how much experience you need, or or what What do you need to, if you want – if you're someone who wants to instruct in an academy, what do you think you need?
0: Yeah, uh, let me give credit where credit's due. That's uh, the first line in the question. That's a uh, big Steve Robertson. He, he uses that in a lot of his uh, classes and stuff, and I agree with him. But I always flip that around. we got to start sometime. And I don't think, you know, as far as the academy level with recruits, if you've been on the job, you know I started kind of messing around down there, uh, helping out in a very behind-the-scenes fashion for at least a year, and then graduated slowly in my second year to help teach, you know, hose or teach fire attack. Uh, Not classroom. That was years later before I ever got into a classroom, but that was more my, you know, I was I just wanted to be outside the burn building. But I don't think that you can say there's a dead drop minimum. I would say it should be, from a, after a year on, gradually building those skill sets, watching other instructors, getting a little bit of street cred and a little bit of street time, uh, and that, and again, that's going to vary department part Where some place yeah. like FDMY you're getting street cred pretty quick. Other departments, two three years for you got any kind of street uh, knowledge.
1: Let me ask but you it's this: a
0: kind of a give and take, depending on where you're at as well.
1: No, no, I want to ask you this because I noticed this like. Uh... And not to get specific with my, but I, I, I watched a kid, uh, he just got skills like, uh, like, like he can connect with people and communicate well. And when he speaks, people want to listen to him. And, and it's not because he comes from Jobtown and it's not his experience. It's his skill set yeah. that he brings from life. And he, he's a young kid and everything, but I, whatever it is, he has it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And then I, then I watch someone else who has like more time, more experience and other things, but. He doesn't connect with the audience, he, whether it's, whether it's, you know, me walking across the parking lot or forcing the door or lecturing. And, and I don't understand. I really want to understand the difference there. And I don't, but, and how much does that play into it? Your natural gifts and abilities.
0: I think it plays, I, I think it plays a ton into it. And it's, I still believe that, you know, I, I don't kid maybe I'll connect with everybody in the room, but certain subject matters got to have the more credibility, the more the uh, you've actually done it before. Absolutely. You it sometimes. Sure. Sure. But base skill sets for rookies and let, let them get out there let that first year guy go out to the training academy for a half hour or, or half a shift or whatever and get that experience. And that's just going to build him up. Cause he's also going to be learning how to instruct down the road too. No, so, not, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think I can give you an exact. I think it's driven on a, a, a lot of different things. I'm not throwing the one-year guy in front of my 10-year guys teaching a class, so that's probably not going to happen.
1: Right on, right on. Noah, love the question. Great question, by the way. Mm-hmm. Great question. John McCoy coming at you. What is your most memorable conference that you instructed at? Whatever reason, completely Todd Edwards' choice.
0: Easiest answer ever, firemanship. Hmm. Barmanship in Portland, Oregon, and that iconic, historic uh, theater with the floating dance floor, the balcony, the bar with uh, closed-circuit TVs. Me
1: and, hey, me and Rob were talking about the green room last night, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, an actual green room. And uh, Rob Fisher, that's who he's referring to. Um, I had never told on the West Coast. Nobody on that side of the country had any damn clue who I was. And so Jody Fisher met me at the door and it's Rob's wife. And she led me, gave me a tour and showed me everything. I was immediately so overwhelmed. <laughs> I went <laughs> to that day, but the more I'm walking around, I'm standing in the back, listening, going, Oh my God, I got to be on that stage. Um, was the, probably the first time I was intimidated was that. And probably one of the best times ever stepping out to that stage in front of I don't know what the account was. Uh, it, it, there's no seats left in this monster six, seven, eight hundred 800-person theater and the green room and the bar had close. It was amazing. It was one of the most. Um, it's the one conference I will never, ever, ever forget.
1: That's, yeah, easy and Like you said, easy answer. I love when someone says easy answer. Uh, <laughs> Bill, Bubba, Tischer, Jr. wants to know. <laughs>
0: don't say it, Bill. <laughs> Don't bring it up, Bill.
1: This is his question: <laughs> How would you explain the benefits of attending trainings out of state versus just local? And, and Bill, I would like to know what he's referencing. But go ahead.
0: <laughs> so, out of state is really cool because you meet you meet so many guys, and it's it's always I love talking to somebody who works for. Georgetown, Kentucky as well. And then you'd be another guy that works for Seattle, Washington. All in the same damn day. And hearing their stories and and their experiences and their leadership is, their pay issues and pensions and all that. So I think that's a huge, huge benefit, um, you know, for guys. Somebody was asking me at the conference, should we be sending our young guys these? I'm like, hell yes, you need to be sending your young guys. Um, You know, that – kind of sets them up for success and down the path for some of these things. The advantage of local, one, it's easy. It's usually a in and out. You don't, you're don't, you not on the road for two or three days uh, learning and getting hotels. And I think there's a lot of um, – I think it's good to be in that local. I know I work a lot with this uh, local group in Alabama, and uh, what it really does is kind of bond that whole group together within the state or the region, and that's what they've done. Uh, Chief Shannon Stone does the same thing down there in the uh, Fort and Midway area mm-hmm. with all the departments coming together there's a big training training group. So, yeah, there's good and bad to both, man. But I, I'm a huge fan of uh, encouraging guys to get out to these uh, events, whether it's a smaller 100-person or a uh, Firehouse Expo event. Those, those are great things, great learning opportunities outside the classrooms, too. They just don't always get at the regional conference because you see these guys all the time.
1: Right, right love it chris die todd what do you think a good amount of training hours required by your personnel yearly (laughs) quarterly etc
0: so typical what happens every fire department is going to fall under the state mandated so state of georgia is pretty low state of georgia i've come up with 24 hours to maintain certification which is an absolute joke but then you start getting iso hours and those numbers go up obviously So, no department's ever going to say you can have less. They're always going to want you to document more. Here's the problem with documenting hours for rule one officers. If you haven't done it, don't document, don't pencil whip your goddamn training. Mm -hmm. It absolutely just drives me nuts uh, when guys are doing that. Because, you know, how much BES training you got this month? Oh, we got 342 hours. Okay. So, we know what's going on and how you're documenting it. I'm more in line with the quality versus the quantity. But we drilled every day in one way or another. And I can document that, obviously, for my hours. But it wasn't to me. Some some days we train for 30 minutes. Other days we do a couple hours. So I don't know. I, I would never say there's a minimum. Uh, I think when you have younger guys or rookies on your crew or in your firehouse, yeah, your training hours really need to go up. When guys are studying for tests, training hours typically would go up. But that consistency factor is just huge to me. And whether it equals forty hours, as long as it's consistent quality training, I think you're on point with whatever your department goes with.
1: Love it. Love it. I will, I will add this. Uh, one of the things I heard at COBC this year, Frank Vescuso, when he talked about minimum standards, and he says, if you are upset with – I'm paraphrasing you, Frank – If you listen to this, but if you are upset with people who meet the minimum standard in your organization, then your minimum standard is too low. Like he says, set the minimum standard in your organization high. And then when they meet it, man, I'll take minimum standard people all day long, man, because they're rock stars. Yeah. And so uh, I say that to say this there, I, I know organizations where if you check the rigs in the morning, you get to mark down two hours of training. If you go to uh, to PE and walk for 20 minutes, you get to mark down an hour of training and, and it's for ISO purposes and it's to check boxes. And it is, it's not about, uh, filling in a computer sheet and saying this many hours. It's about making a mindset dedication to, we are going to do realistic, real training, relevant, rigorous, and realistic training. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I love that. The, the expectation, uh, yeah, yeah, there. Samuel Ramsey Christopher said, set the standard so high. Coasters are high achievers. So, yeah. All right. Great, great. Thank you, John McCoy. It may be Todd's mic if it is on his earbuds. He is constantly up and down. Keep letting me know. Promagus is making it really big so I can see it. That's why I read it. <laughs> Don't pencil whip your damn training, Todd Edwards. Put that on a damn shirt. That's John McCoy saying. It.
0: <laughs> it's like open the damn nozzle.
1: Let me know. Keep sending me thumbs up if it is if if the if we can keep going or if we need to adjust. Thumbs down if we need to adjust. Thumbs up if we can keep going because that's the only way I can tell.
0: Yeah, Let I'm me not know. doing anything different.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's kind of uh, you got two guys who are really way more comfortable with a Halligan or a smooth bore. Than with any sort of technology, so <laughs> so we just got to go with thumbs up, thumbs. Kind of like the old way of pumping the engine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kyle got a question for you, Todd, my brother. What was the catalyst for creating breaking barriers? It's a fantastic class and a much needed discussion for firefighters all over the country.
0: Yeah. So the the really the first part uh, watching my. uh Son, struggle, he's, you know, he's high-functional, you know, but nothing major. But didn't you want, you know, seeing other kids, because, you know, a lot of people know I was PTA president, and there was autistic kids, and they were not, the resources weren't there at that time, and one of the biggest catalysts in, in, was uh, watching my wife work and going to uh, conventions for National Down Syndrome, and you start asking families questions, it's amazing. The, where the resources start, where the resources end, getting to know Captain Rowett. Al Mobile has a son who's dual diagnosis, so it was a lot of a lot of things. Uh, and then I saw one program, and when I saw the program, I knew from my knowledge and my experience and my contacts that I I could do something much better that would fit the fire service. There's a lot of, you know, what the misconception really is, is that it's EMS driven. It's really not. It's it's people driven, mm. not EMS driven. So it's really based on the community of autism and Down syndrome and not anything other than that. But how we interact is totally uh, under some ungodly, difficult uh, situations. So that, that catalyst really came from uh, some interactions on my own job that didn't go well and some stories and, and training and, and connections. So, yeah, that's, I, I, the need was so desperate. Uh, we don't push it. Uh, I, you know, we don't push any of our training, but it's been the hardest program for me to get out there. Um, and I, Which again, I don't quite understand. I think it's the title. I got to do a rebrand. I need Kurt to rebrand my disabilities awareness class or something. So, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. I appreciate the question, though, man. We're, just, we're very passionate about it. Um, I was talking to uh, so many guys have had the program, and the first words is I didn't expect that. And second thing, I'll get an email two, three months later, man, we just had a school bus accident. Every child on there had a Down syndrome or something like that, and they knew exactly how to interact and how to keep keep the scene calm. Um uh, there was a recent, uh, not recent, but, uh, some history of a, a recent grab or a grab at a fire. And it was solely based on some of the training they received. That child wasn't hiding in the standard areas. So those are things that we, we really focus on, uh, when we do that program.
1: Love it. And, and I don't, it's such a good class, man. I've taken it three times. I believe, I believe three times now, man. And you will, it, you will benefit from it in your department when you take it. It's, uh, and I, and this is what I will say, I was not plussed about taking it when I first heard it's about special needs. I was like, I don't know if I really want to take a class on special needs. <laughs> I'm being honest. And then when yeah. I was done, I was glad I did. I'm, I'm being serious, so that's yeah, just the that, truth of that's,
0: it. And that's probably the most common reaction we get. I, you know, I didn't expect that. And we actually do a dr- we do a couple little drills. We do a little hands on in the class. Uh, a lot of focus on you know. Forcible entry is different. If you have a home with children and or adults with special needs, especially autism and Down syndrome, you're going to encounter deadbolt, solid core doors, safety glass in bedrooms, uh, unique hiding spots. So all that's in the program, uh, and that's solely based on the, our education of all this. And, well, the, and just
1: the mindset change for me on like the the kid that wanted to watch another movie in the in the theater. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I'm not sure before taking your class I would have approached it any different. I hate to say that, but you know what I'm saying? Like and and then after taking the class, I'm like, no, that I get it now. And and uh I remember checking out self checkout at a Walmart where they don't have cashiers no more. I was self checking out at a at a Walmart one time and I was, you know, scanning my stuff and all of a sudden a grown man, like, you know, was all of a sudden in my space, very close to me. And, you know, I I, I don't react well to that and then then this this lady that was taking care of this person was like hey hey mike come here come here come here mike but i'd taken your class and i instantly recognized what was going on here and i'm like no no he's okay he's completely okay you know what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> and uh but again i would have i would not have probably reacted that way without the class so it it's a, yeah uh again that's just my own personal experience with eh, i'm not sure i really want to take this versus
0: <laughs> no i think and i and I get it. I get it. And that's typically, like I said, I get that every time we do the program, and and uh, uh, people are plus. I think I guess pleasantly surprised at the end, um, you know. So we have it on the books just once, and that's going to be in a uh, uh, Midwest city in Oklahoma at, uh, in a few weeks in June.
1: Right on, right by, by, by my backyard. Loving it. Um, and I will say this: the lady that was taking that, like you say, holy crap, this is a saint of a person. That is dealing with this their entire life. It's, it's insane. It's, 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 uh, the patience. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Griffith said it best. (laughs) Top five best classes I've been to. I will say that, man. It's just, you don't, it's not what you expect. Okay. So many questions. Uh, John McCoy again, getting another one at you. What is the most memorable fire you've been to? The fire you felt like you learned the most from
0: most memorable fire was the, uh, the cotton mill thing. I know it's a million years ago, uh, but it's one of those where you got the entire, you know, five-story cotton mill on fire, and then you've got an entire town as an exposure. We literally had houses lighting off two and three blocks away, including, you know, away from that scene, along with a construction site. The two two stories right across the street went up, and, um, I remember going to stretch another line off the 13 engine and the hose bed was on fire. So we didn't stretch a line from that engine. We pulled a booster and got ran out of another fire. So yeah, that, I mean, memory wise, that's hands down. Uh, two most learning things, Fox theater fire. Uh, every time you thought the fire was out, it'd pop up in another room. Um, and that it was an incredible fire to find. It's in this historic building, uh, which is extremely famous in the city of Atlanta. So the Fox Cedar fire was an amazing event. Um, and I probably learned a lot more. Uh, one of the things I, before, you know, unfortunately, I, before there was a mass shooting every week, uh, the Olympic Park bombing, mm. I was riding up that night and uh, no clue what we were doing. You know, people are running, firemen are running, medics are running, FBI's running around with Uzis and whatever other guns they had. And just the total chaos uh, gave me a respect for what I really didn't know as a as a boss, and uh, really kind of pushed me into doing even more command uh, and learning. You know, how do we control these kind of scenes and mass casualty and large fire events? And because uh, you don't don't realize how chaotic a scene can be until you're in the midst of it. I literally. Can't hardly even remember getting off the engine. There was so much hitting us in the face on arrival. Um (laughs) that yeah. I hardly remember any of that part of it. I just remember afterwards going, Wow. (laughs) I really don't know what I'm doing.
1: (laughs) There you go. Good and I mean, like there's like four historic things that I've heard about. Uh only the best guess on the scrap, man. That's what I love about it. Um This ties into it, so I'll throw it at you, from Dennis Riley. Hey, Todd, what was the worst fire you ever went to? And knowing now what you know, what would you do different?
0: Uh, The worst fire for me personally, uh, and when I say the the reason I'm bringing this up is because that second part of the question uh, was uh, decisions I made. They got two firefighters injured, one trapped for 15 minutes in a burning house, and it was solely based on. Uh, my lack of situation awareness and as the battalion chief I wear that and I own that. The um that that fire comes back to my head, you know, you know, frequently when I'm talking or teaching classes and kinda again, it was one of those driving afterwards, you know, to reevaluate the way I was approaching some of my commands, some of my fires and
1: was that uh, the was that the house uh, is that the one you played the, the traffic on at the beginning of yeah, the class? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, Water I, Avenue, uh, yeah. T, uh, David Rhodes, you know, uh, with fire engineering was uh, my my safety officer at that fire and had the Charlie side. And he's the first one to notify command that we got a firefighter down and a firefighter trapped into a collapse. And so, yeah, and uh, the value I learned from it and the value I knew the training actually worked was this uh, we re- just hammered home to everybody on that scene. Because our training literally worked and it saved that firefighter's life that night. I have no doubt in my mind, if we hadn't drilled and trained on May Day and Rapper intervention and and all these things, that man's probably not with us today.
1: Well, and I want to say this, man. It's like when I listen to that, because I've heard it, uh, I think probably three or four times that I've seen you teach the class, but I heard it just the other day. So it's fresh in my mind. I'm like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, how do you stay that fucking calm, brother? (laughs) Like, oh. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, this is a huge compliment. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that in my head. Like I want to sound that ice cold and and you're sitting here beating yourself up saying you made mistakes on it. That was like, oh, this is a mayday. Everybody get off the mayday channel. We need to get a RIT team around there right now. You know, it was, it was ice cold.
0: That, uh, I kind of talked about that in that mindset class that that was cause I'd already run that mayday. 300 times in my head and probably thousands of times in my training, I'd managed one other or two other little days that, you know, were quick extrications and fires over my career. But, um, that one I knew was worse. As soon as, uh, David came over the radio, I knew it was a truly legit, um, uh, we may lose somebody incident. So the Big And I drilled, and I drilled, and I trained, and, I, and it wasn't just me. I mean, I listened to radio traffic all the time, and, and I'm like, God, you, just calm down, you guys. So just as mental reps, mental reps, mental reps about how to manage that mayday. And we, we preach a lot of it, even search classes. Find the victim, and everybody loses their goddamn mind. Somebody's got to be in charge, but that constant practice on the mental side of the game um, is huge, absolutely huge in my mind. Mental reps. Over and over and well, we'll do. We'll force a door three hundred times, but we won't practice the size up until we get to the scene. And you know, we're shitting ourselves.
1: Beautiful, that's man. So
0: critical that we're practicing those skill sets on the on the brain side of our job a little bit heavier than we sometimes do.
1: Uh-huh. Coming at you from Howard Reinwald. What is the first thing you would do? Because this ties into the previous. First thing you would do during a mayday as the incident commander.
0: Uh, first, first uh, number one rule is tell everybody we have the May Day and I I probably didn't have to say uh, to keep the radio, everybody off the radio. I, we had done enough training prior that guys knew the procedure of how we wanted it done, but getting the radio traffic cleared two is making sure I have somebody overseeing the rescue. In that scenario and in, in the one we're referring to right now, Chief Rhodes was kind of the the boss of the rescue, and that freed me up to focus just on him. Span and control has got, if it hasn't been addressed, it's got to be addressed right now. You cannot talk to engine 10, engine 6, the Mayday, the rescue. You have got to have unbelievable span control during that whole incident. And if you've, you know, I can always play it at some other time, but I only talked to two people really the whole incident. For 15 minutes, I talked to. Chief Rhodes and Alpha Side Boss uh, Chief Wessels, and those are the only two people I spoke to for the entire incident.
1: Now, now, did anybody switch channel? I, am I, really curious about this channel switch or no.
0: Never crossed my mind. Yeah. It never crossed my mind, even though our procedures say that. I think I, realistically, every bad fire, bad situation that I, you know, was involved in. If it was going to be one of those extensive, long, drawn out type of things, which, you know, that could happen, it adds confusion to the fire because all I need is for one click or one miscommunication. And my, my attack team accidentally goes from tack three to tack four and now or tack five and I can't get a hold of them. Um, in those initial few minutes, I would say I wouldn't change. I, I wouldn't change a damn thing about the way I managed that Mayday hmm. just for that reason. I didn't, I didn't see any reason to clear radio traffic. Uh, the guys knew what was going on. If we had to adjust, I would have adjusted. But in that moment in time, I needed to be here, able to hear, and if I had to, communicate with everybody. But everybody was so on point that it didn't become an issue.
1: Love it. Great, great answer. Um, looking for, Looking through questions, I'm looking here. Uh, let's go recent. Fire in Charlotte. Did you get to see any of it? uh Just went down. Building under construction? Um, yeah.
0: Uh, I'll be I'll be looking forward to when you reschedule. Joe and I texted with him a little bit about the fire. They did unbelievable work. They actually did some tried to make some interior moves. I'll let him talk about what he's told me. Okay. Um, amazing to me that they didn't uh, have more on fire. Uh, I just you know their work and their effort. I would love. I was gonna to say, could there be more about. on fire there? Holy sh! <laughs> oh, it, it looked like all downtown was on fire at one yeah. time. There's an unbelievable picture. I saw today. Of the building, just it, I mean, it is at its peak, and it's I don't know how far the high rise, but the high rise had a glass front. And so when I scan, when I scroll the picture over this fire, you can just see glowing on the side of that building. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it seemed like it was close enough. It could have been radiant heat all the way to that damn high rise. So, uh, kudos to Charlotte, man. That's a hell of a job they did. You know, it's unfortunate that they uh, they did have the the deaths they did. But when you look at the information now, it's amazing they didn't have twenty five or thirty people die the other day.
1: Right. No, and the uh, yeah, the the saves. The, the crane operate all of it, man. I I got the radio traffic, but I haven't got a chance to sit down and listen to it. Been traveling, coming back from Florida. Have not got to sit down and listen to it. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to, to, to do so. Um, Kevin Nazario wants to know, opinion on how beneficial trading in an acquired building is. After a battle with HQ, finally got approval to rotate units on weekends through different acquired buildings. What's your thoughts?
0: One million percent. Thumbs up acquired structures are better than anything you' ever train in. Uh, you know, obviously we know burn buildings are, are you know they're great that's what we typically are in but the level of experience you get actually crawling or working or whatever you're doing in that acquired structure uh, it has a, a a different feel to it I think because you know you're not in the same building you've spent the last 20 or 10 years going to. Um, you know the actual feel of the you know wooden floors or you know opening walls, breaching walls to actual studs that are attached to the building, not just a prop. Uh, window removals, the uh, everything just has such a better feel. So I am a monster fan of acquired structures. I if I get called, and somebody wants me to come in, they tell me acquired structure, I'm I'm probably looking at my calendar and trying to figure out a way to be there. I just I love it absolutely. I'm actually going to be in. Uh, Lakeport, California, uh, week after next. Uh, and we have like eight um, old condo type buildings that we're going to be drilling in at a resort. So the only thing I'm mad about it, I don't have enough days there because the endless possibilities that uh, that complex we could be doing.
1: Love it. Dude, that, that, 100%. Man, uh, BJ Breacher said it best. Personally, you cannot put a price on an acquired structure. Douglas Ott wants to know, as a new company officer, how do I keep myself from spending too much time worrying about the slug and focusing on the other two go getters? And he said, in parentheses, I probably answered my own question.
0: <laughs> I think he did, yes. I think he answered his own question. Um, first thing I would do with the slug, though, is I'd have that little, just a little one on one, not an ass chewing or anything like that. Uh, but just find out why he doesn't want to do shit around the station. And by simply asking him point blank to his face, why do you want to lay around the firehouse and not do anything? Or the other part of that is also find things that maybe he's good at and have him help teach a little bit. That can always help. I know it's very common BS answer nine times out of 10, but go back to the way you answered, dude. I I, I can't, you're not going to change everybody on our job. Right. Some guy that's been a slug for 20 years probably gonna be a slug for the remainder of his career but your two young guys can't hear you bitch moan complain about the slug get his ass out of the chair when he can but my energies are always on the go-getters because those are the guys going if it goes to hell in a handbasket the next shift those are guys getting you out anyway not the slug he's probably out in the driveway complain about something
1: no oh that's beautiful uh one thing i always wanted i want always want to tack on um Is clarity. Clarity is such an important thing. You have to be very clear on what success looks like because it's easy to lead go getters, man. It's easy to motivate go getters. I'll, obviously, if everybody here had a chance to pick a crew of go getters, they would pick them over the slugs. The challenge comes from the slugs and you got to be, look in the mirror and be clear. What success with them looks like? What's, what does that look like? And define it so that you can feel good when you reach it. Because success with the go getters is different than success with the slugs, but you can define it and motivate yourself by by being very clear. And when you hit those benchmarks, not an excuse to let them slide, but absolutely no, no, not at all, not at all. All right, so many more from James Mitchellisco, Todd. The fire service is constantly evolving. The young guys are on board. How do you get through the egos and get the older, softer firefighters? on board.
0: I think that's kind of not a little bit like the last push to a certain mm-hmm. degree, but so as a even if you've been there for a while and you haven't done this, I recommend you do it immediately. If you're a new officer coming into a house, do it day one and set those expectations right out of the gate. This is what I expect, and you go through whatever you expect from apprise checkoffs all the way to your training, but always end out with what they expect from you. And I think sometimes guys have a lot more buy-in into the message if you just ask them. And I think we fail at that so often. Just, you know, what do you expect from me? You're my driver. You're my firefighter. What do you expect from me? And then you have that – kind of start that, that transformational leadership where we're working as a team uh, really, really well. The older, salty guys, the hardest thing for them to buy into is that this 23-year-old kid knows some shit that I don't know and that's that can always be a challenge so approach that with a little bit of tact um a lot of times those guys are very curious and they'll they'll start watching they may not even teach it they may kind of ease in and ask the question himself man how you doing that ladder flip or how you basket up with your gloves so quick and you're smoking me all the way you know every day to the, the to the drill or the front door um but yeah, that can be a challenge. That's always going to be a challenge, and you're always going to see that. One day, you know, they, that could be any of us.
1: No, dude, it's great. The uh, I love the questions coming. The, there's so many still coming, and, and it's like none of them are soft tosses. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Thompson wants to know, Todd, as an officer, did you have a method for getting feedback from your crew on how you were doing as their officer, or a way they could let you know if you had room for improvement? And he said, "P.S. The snow has still not melted here."
0: Oh my God! Yeah, Josh is up there, and like he's in a part of Canada I never even heard of. And uh, uh, I just real quick backtrack on one of the other questions about going to conferences outside your region or outside your state. I I would never met that guy. He wasn't coming to anything I'm doing here in Atlanta, Georgia area. So I met him at a uh at fire engineering at FDIC and and uh, we become friends and guys freaking awesome, man. So but um give me that question one more time because I got two two of them sound the same to me.
1: Do you have a method for getting feedback from your crew on how you were doing as an officer? So yeah. how did, and 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 could they let you know how to improve?
0: yeah dev uh and for me very simple much like we were talking about earlier when the way we speak to people after every fire i always ask hey guys and and you it was so fun when you were saying this in class the other day i was like yeah i knew i saw it i think i saw it in the book too there's so much in there um i would ask him man especially the rookies i want yeah I'd always go i always went to my driver kind of alone and he goes matt what'd you think because he's seen your guy and he he's been to a lot of fire and uh, then I always ask the rookies and, you know, so did you understand what I was doing or could I have done something better to help mm. you? Mm. And that opened up such easy line of communication. Um, like, like it was so simple after that. So when I, as I moved the ranks, I tried to always keep that just very open line. Um, and sometimes again, that egotistical statement we were talking about earlier on the egotistical asshole statement that you have in your book. And we were talking about earlier, if I haven't set expectations or I haven't had those hard conversations, you're never going to be able to have them. And so I tell it that first initial kind of like the old rip it off the bandaid conversation. But after that, they get so much easier. And and I think uh, Corley, as a, as a chief officer, he'll agree. He's only going to get better if he gets honest feedback. That's true. Not the Corley walks in and everybody bobbleheads because he walked in the firehouse, man. And, We've got to encourage that, and that starts from day one in the fire academy. You've got to have these conversations and have that teamwork approach, mm-hmm. not the I am boss and you're not mentality. Those old fire service days need to go away in some cases.
1: No, I love Shannon Stone. Shannon Stone says it uh, when he talks about his subordinates. He says their number one – I'm butchering your, your quote, Shannon, so I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> the number one – their 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 duty is to tell him the things that he needs to know that he doesn't want to hear. And that will set him up for success. And I love that, man. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. You have to tell people what they need to know that they don't want to hear.
0: Well, it's and I, and I get it, it can be difficult for a twenty two year old kid to tell the battalion chief something or tell his captain huh. something. And when you know that has to be solicited in some cases. I don't want you know kids running up the chain of command on me, but. My crew, my firefighters in my firehouse, they knew from day one that they, you know, I wanted to know everything. And even if it was horrible, I wanted to know about it. And that we were able to develop that relationship because from day one. And um, that's if you don't have the relationship, go in and just start it. It's going to suck for a second, but start it now. I mean, even today, start next shift, uh, get these guys to open up and you know, take it because something may not be what you're expecting.
1: And if you don't have the relationship, you will not get honest feedback period because you'll yeah. just be the badge and you will be the person. Yeah. But You have to have that trust and that relationship. Todd, Jared Van Eck wants to know, which is also one of the greatest mustaches in the fire service, but he wants to know, did you ever feel that you weren't ready to move up in rank and what helped overcome that?
0: Yeah. Uh, when I, well, two times. First time I tested for BC, I I took it, and thank God I didn't pass because I wasn't ready. You know, already, I scored a thirty-seven, so I really showed that I wasn't ready to uh, be moving up the chain. Uh, but when I made a uh, assistant chief, I wasn't. I, I should never. I should have never taken the position. They should never even offer me the position. I was there's unqualified, and there's below unqualified. I was below that standard. So I, I was promoted for the wrong reasons. Um, I had a little bit of respect, and a little bit of like from the guys. I felt like I kind of plugged some holes, uh, but I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I, I'd never done, you know, 42 stacks of Google document, payroll, admin order for I didn't know you had to fill out 4,000 documents to get a refrigerator for a firehouse. Uh, uh, <laughs> got in trouble for putting fence around a firehouse without getting the 5,000 bids. So I, I wasn't qualified. Right. You know? And I take that, you know, and I, you know, that's where I got demoted from that position, probably because I was still in firefighter mode is, you know, going to fire is why I got demoted. But the, uh, they were probably like, Oh, thank God we have a reason to demote him now. But <laughs> I just Ooh. wasn't ready for that kind of uh job. And, you know, to be honest, as much as I love parts of it, that work in 80 hours a week uh sucked. It really did.
1: Follow up question. I like this question. I'm, I got to react to it. and Put a haha on it. So hold on. <laughs> uh, Follow up question from Kyle Condiff said, "Follow up question, did you ever feel that you weren't ready to be moved down in rank?"
0: <laughs> uh actually no. <laughs> <'Cause> I got promoted <laughs> from seat back to a uh, captain. That was actually I was like, "Whoa, I know what I'm doing at this level. I'll be I'm happy with this." So no, it, it obviously the shock of being demoted uh was uh a little tough. Uh make sure my wife didn't hire a sniper was, you know, really tough. I had to track her internet interactions. Sure. But, Kathy uh,
1: Kathy could uh yeah.
0: Yeah, she, she was searching. She was searching, she was not happy and she was even more happy when I announced, Oh, I'm walking back to the firehouse. She, I, th- I thought her head was gonna explode that afternoon. <laughs> but um no, man, it. it I'd never really felt that way, uh, like I said the, you know moving up, yes, moving down, the, you know that's just what it was. and uh to be honest uh, we we have a very simple kind of mindset. I'm not saying I, I expect like a you know pot of gold to drop on me, but I do believe that you know everything kind of happens for a reason, and I think the reason was I was uh, much happier uh at that level. And, you know, I take some of that blame, too. I could have easily said no, but I was like, man, I could do this. I get my pension increase, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, got a lot of good stuff done, but wasn't qualified, brother. And coming down, I was happy to come down. So, yeah, it all balanced it out.
1: Love it. Dan Lockwood says, what is the top trait that future officers need to develop for today's fire service?
0: So I think you could get off into all the book answers on traits and characteristics of leaders and all that. I think the trait that I see that I absolutely love, and I and I talk about this a lot now, the the best leaders, the best guys I know around the country are also the most humble mm. people in the world. Man, I, I'm always, I'm I'm actually blown away at the humility. Uh, sometimes. I'm not saying that as a bad thing, babe, but it's humbling to watch guys be so humble, and they're not doing it for attention, man. It's just their personality. It's just how they are. And, it, you know, the most humble guys, the most, you know, the guys who uh, step up when it's time to step up, step back when they when it's time to step back, and uh, they never they never talk down to anybody. Those guys, uh, I just, I love those guys. I love working with those guys and, and talking to those guys, and then Probably the next big one for me is uh, honesty in every aspect and not – sometimes we're, we're almost scared kind of a little bit about our last conversation, man. We got to stop bullshitting each other and just be honest. And there's a way to tell somebody the worst shit ever about them or about a situation without, you know, crushing their soul. But, man, if you, if you approach from a humility side, you know, being – Having that humble attitude and more of a I'm here to help you attitude versus I'm here to hang your ass attitude when it comes to those conversations and being honest with people. I think we find leadership can be made a lot simpler with some very simple things such as that.
1: Mm. <laughs> Great answer, dude. That humility, uh, yeah. What can I, yeah. And you talk you worked with like you you worked side by side on same scenes with David Rhodes, yeah. and now you know where he's at. Man, humility like the guy embodies it. I'm talking to Todd Edwards. You embody oh
0: it. man, David. David's amazing when it comes to that. Um, you know, I, I, Dan, I can and you can spot it a mile away where there's 20 guys hanging off of. You know, uh, Ray McCormick uh, and asking him all these questions. Guy does bad. And I hand me another Guinness and answers the next 25 questions. You know, it's amazing. And that's, and he's humble. I mean, the guy's no, been to more fires it. than I can even imagine going. Right. The guy's just humble. Mike Champo, he'll talk to you, get sick of he- hearing his answers. Uh, and that man's been to everything. And yes. Those, those are some of the most humble guys I've ever met. And I love watching them and being around them and talking to them because, and a lot of it is because, and they'll be brutally honest. You piss off Ray, and you will hear some real honest stuff real fast. And it won't be an email. It won't be a text. It'll be right to your face. And it's awesome.
1: <laughs> Love it. Uh, Jeff Stone, coming at you. Todd, guys like you are obviously passionate about the job, doing the right thing and building our people up. What or where do you think the obstacle is that leads so many chiefs to lose sight of that concept at the very top levels of our organizations? Why can't we all have chiefs like Scott Thompson?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I think we have some out there. I mean, Scott is, you know, the epitome. Uh, I pointed out to a couple of young guys, uh, Chief Eddie Robinson.
1: Uh, yes. Which,
0: you know, I'm a little biased because he's local and I've known the man forever. But he's at the conference teaching. He's in every single class. And he spent every evening out with his firefighters and his chief. And he had other guys there. And they sat outside on the balcony. We got to sit around them the other night. And, uh, yeah, so there's there's some other chiefs like that out there.
1: No, and so I'll, I'll tell you that. this, and I want to interrupt you. I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. But I, but he also walking around in a fool's T-shirt that he's a member of.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. Scott Thompson. Also walks around in a a fool's t-shirt that he's a member of because he's a firefighter. You know, he's a firefighter that's a chief. Yeah. Both of of the people we're talking about there that were mentioned in this. And there's there's others out there, but sorry. Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The other part I was going to say, I think they lose that. And I know uh, because I've witnessed and watched it. They lose touch. Man, they literally forget where they came from. They lose touch of what's going on in field operations or what the guys are going through. You know, it's really easy to sit at a desk, and I use this example, and you're seeing that Engine 1 and Engine 6 in downtown Atlanta are getting killed. I mean, just killed 24, 25, 26, 32 runs a shift. That's on a spreadsheet. And a spreadsheet does not tell you the emotional wear and tear. The tear up on their bodies, the land is still twenty four forty eight. So they have no the the long term effects of beating these guys up like this and not looking at different schedules or rotations or something um is negligent. And you know, the fire chief is looking at a spreadsheet. Maybe the fire chief should go out and do a twenty four hour tour on engine one on a Saturday in the summertime. Or an engine nine on a saturday in the summertime not not come in for an hour and eat dinner arrive at seven spend the whole day do a little housework and always remember what's going on every fire department could be obviously with a some education but at the end of the day on holidays weekends middle of the night, it's the firefighters and the and the street guys, the battalion chiefs and the company officers are running that damn fire department. Love it. when they lose touch, it hurts the entire organization. So that's my you know, I know it's not always feasible, uh but it's it's prevalent out there. The, you know, the, the working chiefs, the chiefs that stay in touch with the guys and field ops. They're, they're always going to be good officers. They're going to be outstanding chief officers for damn sure. So that's my red day. Chiefs, get your ass out of your offices every now and then. Holy crap. Do
1: it, man. Right there. That's one of the cure-alls. Uh, and I want you to know, over 300 comments. So when you get a chance, Todd, because I know you can't see them live, but when you get a chance, go back, watch the video, scroll through. There's so many comments and, okay, and cool. questions and stuff. And you'll you'll enjoy it because I haven't got to – honestly – how many questions do we even get to on the planned list? One? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to one on the on the planned topics because the audience, amazing, man. Great questions. <laughs> I don't know if Todd's like, uh, like frustrated because he didn't get to talk about the stuff we were going to talk about. Oh, or not.
0: no, not at all. I think it all kind of weaves together. And you said something right before we went live that we're just going to kind of let this run organically. And sometimes that's always a good way. Um, even though the subject matter we listed, I we're actually hitting,
1: we're hitting a lot of, it. of
0: them, you know, just, you know, on the side without, you know, true directions. I'm good with it, but
1: no, it is it, it, no, again, I've thought it's been great value for the fire service for <laughs> anybody who lists takes the time to listen to it. Uh, but 300 comments, man, that, that doesn't happen often live. So I it's, it's a cool milestone. I, I have never kept stats on <clears throat> how many times it's happened or anything, but I wanted to say it, uh, it's a cool thing. It's a very cool thing. Uh, everything's uh, growing and blowing, but I do like to ask, and I've asked you before. But how, uh, is there book or books that you think firefighters should be reading? Doesn't have to be a firefighter book; just books or in general. I lo- I love books. You know me.
0: Yeah, and I, I take one, thing, and I and I know I've seen it. And actually, I know I've read it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know what book I read it from, mm-hmm. and. The fact that you're, dead I wish I was more dedicated. I've really fallen off this year. Uh, besides yours, and I went back and I started reading, uh, developing the firefighter resiliency, and you know Rick George. Rick really, George, yeah. I, I'm a fanboy when it comes to Rick George.
1: Right on, me too. Um,
0: his message, his ability to communicate. I've, you know, just seen him speak. Always blows me away. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my favorite. And when it comes to, you know. And I don't think it's you're ever too early in your career to start looking at other things, and not everything has to be um, fire, fire, fire. So I, I'm a huge fan of the uh, the economy of leadership with Jocko. It's a, I I know not everybody that's not everybody's favorite, right? But I went back and recently uh, kind of went through it again, um, and then I I may have to get like a I should have bought a Norman book. I went back through the other day. I got pages falling out of that thing. I've gone through it so many times. And so Highlight, I was like, I need to find out when he's going to be around and get a new copy and get it signed by him and everything. Right on. Um, those are really the big ones, man. I, mean, I wish I had a more extensive list for you. Uh, I'm very sporadic. If I was going to tell any firefighter, though, if you want to read it's still one of my favorite books of all time, is uh, Report from Engine Company. 82. Yes. You probably have had that. You probably have had eighty guests that said that. That
1: might be the number one, but I don't care because it's one of my top five for firefighters. Period. I don't care. Yeah, hundred percent. Cannot be uh, said enough.
0: It's yeah. I've and I I, I remember reading it as a kid, you know, and again as a firefighter, and it's just a just. I don't know why. There's something about it. I don't know style of writing or anything. Um, Uh, Dennis
1: Smith is just yeah, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sad that he's gone now, but um I think the other book that I have not got into yet, and I'm going to, and so all my engine buddies don't freak out, I am going to read all of Champo's book so yeah. I can gain better understanding what these truck guys are thinking. So, truck ladder um, tips, tricks, and tactics, or whatever. I'm going to try to get it for my long flights, and I, I enjoy doing that on flights sometimes instead so of just vegging on movies kind of reviewing books uh, or something new every now and then. Turnpack's another one I love. Uh,
1: oh, dude.
0: One of, the, but- one of the easier. I like books that break things down simply. And I love the way he wrote his, um, where it was uh, each, each build has its subject matter and just follows the same order in every chapter. I thought, man, that's genius as far as textbook goes. Um, it's kind of like yours. I love at the end you have the summary. You don't see that every time. I love the little summary because what I found myself doing is going, did what did he say about and be able to go back. So I love the summary thing. Was it was I don't know if you came up with that or. Uh, you know, I steal
1: it. everything. Nothing I do is original. Period. Yeah. Ever.
0: Well, every sold for They need to, more books like that. I love a summary page. You know, uh, same with turn falling the Follow. same order with everything. Champo what. Little I've seen, uh, a lot of, you know, storytelling with a purpose, I think, is a good way to look at these two. Not just a war story, but it's, you know, a story. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about Jocko is every one of his stories has a has a purpose. A purpose. Yes, drives home the point. yeah uh, No, 100%. Love it. No, absolutely, man. Especially Dennis Smith, period. Uh, each and every time. Yeah. Pulling it up. We have a thing. You've done it before. It was the five questions for firefighters. You crushed it. Of course, shortly after you were on, we switched it up and we went to the next five questions for firefighters. So you may be the first person that gets to do all three, depending on when we do the next next, oh, which we're looking, awesome. we're looking for a better name for the next next. So everybody at the audience, please keep that in mind. But right now we're on the next five questions. You've never had these before. Uh, the answers are your opinion. There is no right or wrong answer. The points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help of the the audience. So my question for you is, Todd Edwards, are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters? Uh, I am, sir. Let's do it. Number one, what single characteristic makes the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and the top-tier, go-to badass firefighter?
0: Simple. Dedication. And when I say dedication, I'm not talking about you don't have to live, breathe, eat uh, 24-7. But, man, you've got to be dedicated outside of the standard. I'm showing up for work at 10 till 7. I'm going to, you know, half-ass check my BA. Uh, the the dedication is what separates those that group all day, every day. And, that, and that's at every rank, too, man. That's not just at the firefighter, right? That's at every rank. You know, I can walk in and you. Can, you know, I can walk into a firehouse and tell sometimes, and man, there's is a dedicated, you know, bunch of guys. And so it's dedication to every aspect of the job. And I think that's where the confusion, for me, that's where the confusion lies for a lot of times. Dedication is, you know, is in every part of it, the way we talk to each other, the way we take care of our firehouse, the way we take care of our equipment, uh, the way we take care of our families, all those things come into play. That I, and, and then, you know, you get my opinion, but. Dedication is number one, brother.
1: The audience, the audience agrees with me. Max points on dedication from John McCoy. Greg Van Ham said one hundred percent on max points for dedication, dude. I can't disagree, bro. That's a great answer. And like you said, it's not about it's 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 the dedication to just being better than the minimum standard. It's the dedicate. Yeah, yeah sorry. I won't. I won't repeat everything you just said because it was a great answer. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I think minimum. Uh, they uh, use this a lot. Uh, a lot of times, like especially at the state level or, or MPQ, minimum standards, I say this in some of my classes, you typically equal minimum results. You know, Beautiful. Or, that's where I, I love when we're talking about that. Or that bar has got to be a lot higher than you know just minimum. It's got to go past that.
1: Bo Smith said max points. Eric Thiel said max points. Easy max points, brother. No, you crushed it. <laughs> Number two, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as a rookie – what would it be
0: i think uh, uh it's actually two one would be get out and get a little bit better education well you know not about just job but actual some education, you know whether you know when it comes to other aspects um it's one of those things that I always look back and I tell people all the time if you have an opportunity to go to college and get get some degrees and all that and Go to more of the, you know, hell, I didn't start going to conferences for a long time because I didn't want to miss anything. I was so scared of missing a job. Uh, I dragged my ass into work every chance I had because I wanted to go to fires. And, um, which, you know, I'm glad I did. I don't regret that <laughs> at all. But that'd be definitely one. And bad, you know, to get off your ass, to go to school early before you start having family because that kind of, you know, you get wrapped up in that. And then the other one in all reality, man. And I thought I was good at this, but I know I'm not now. Um, a little more shut up and listen. I know that gets another one of those common answers, but for me personally, um, as a young volunteer firefighter, and you know, here I'm, I'm 19. I'm a, I'm an officer on this volunteer fire company, not knowing shit. Um, because and then that instilled me with a false sense. I think so. A, a lot more shut up and listen early in my career probably would have helped me out You know, a couple years down the road from that.
1: Audience is carrying this. I don't know if I can get max points for two answers when I ask for one. That's why I say it. <laughs> but a lot of people are saying max points. Like they said, absolutely. <laughs> Matt Sleet said Dollar Tree stakes. So <laughs> max points on education. Uh, it's Todd Edwards for the max points from James Michelisco. He said 100 on relatable. Uh, and then John McCoy said max points minus one because he didn't say open the damn nozzle. <laughs> but I'm the guy who gives out the final points, and Frank Lee said STFU max points, and he gave one of these emojis. Uh, and so, absolutely max points on question number two.
0: Oh man, oh, you're making me nervous. And
1: I'm telling you, Frank Lee pushed up if if. If Frank hadn't chimed in right there at the end and pushed it over the top, you uh, might not thank you, Chief. you, you thank might you. not have got there. <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite training drill?
0: uh my all-time uh, favorite is any anytime I know everybody's gonna be like, we can't do that all time but anytime we do live fire dude any live fire training drill. It just amps everything up, and I love to mix it all together. We get off the truck, we got to do rapid dress, we're putting on our stuff, we're getting in there, we're getting thrown curveballs. But it, I just—it's so much fun to do it under live fire. You know, I'm doing all the same skill sets, and but live fire all day. I, I already you know you're getting you know thumbs up out like crazy because we all love going live fire at station uh anything that's going to combine skill sets. That crap of just dragging a mannequin on the bay floor is so stupid when you'd be combining those skill sets on a regular basis.
1: You just reminded me of the slide that, <laughs> I said, know, that was almost like two answers again. <laughs> no, no, things that are stupid when you had the slide that said things that are stupid with the with the Oh yeah the, <laughs> with yeah. the nozzle. The a whole bunch what, of stupid Well uh, yeah. So but yeah, like you said, hey, hey, max points for knowing your audience, first of all. So absolutely, absolutely. But live fire, that's no, dude, brother. How can you not? Oh, um, it,
0: it, if you had two, two store conics box behind every firehouse in this country, there'd be live fire train every damn ship, probably. No,
1: 100% brother. Easy, easiest max points I've ever given on a question <laughs> because live fire, uh, if you're taking notes, anybody that gets the next five questions for firefighters, if you say live fire on number three, you'll get max points, man. Um, <laughs> and especially if you've been a person who might be might have been in a bathrobe in a bathtub under life fire conditions <laughs> at some point. Um, I, don't know,
0: I don't know who that guy is.
1: No one does. I'm not saying <laughs> it happened. It just happened. Number four, what mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career?
0: Uh, cussing out a battalion chief, a captain, and several lieutenants. Uh, not having my own emotions in check was a very very uh, you know hard lesson and humbling lesson and I didn't know I'd even taught myself to a degree but uh i did, I just blew up one day and uh, it was it was a personal thing a, a friend of mine my mentor's son had gotten severely burned at a training event and uh the nonchalantness of the training staff and the train chief especially and somebody said something i just blacked out just i probably just cussed for 10 minutes i don't know what i said i literally had blacked out i was so i was so pissed off all i did was sit there and just curse for no reason I had to break the meeting then come back to a meeting that i'm supposed to be in charge of and look really bad and lost i'm sure i lost a lot of respect for those people too and then have to start a meeting with a I'm sorry, doesn't give you a lot of credibility sometimes. Uh, That was a tough lesson, man. you got to keep your emotions in check in the highest emotional uh, situations. I didn't, that that was my example, man. I I wish I could go back and redo that meeting, but oh well.
1: (laughs) Hey, the best you can do when you can't go back in time is just learn from it. And Joshua Everett said it best, anything regarding keeping emotions in check equals Max points so again you're four for four um no pressure on number five <laughs> heavy fire searchable space would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on ves
0: uh it was, again it's uh, another very simple answer for me is it's gonna be the nozzle i i I, I just the the not just the rush of it. Obviously, there's more to it, but um, there's nothing like putting your hands on a victim and pulling them out of a building. I 100% agree with that. But I'm not only helping save the, the civilian, but I'm saving and protecting my guys while they're making that BES. I know you're I'm, I'm probably getting drilled because I didn't say save lives, but um, man, I just the, the thrill of that just still the day. You know, seeing that fire and you're the ones going to protect the house, protecting the people and yeah, that's nozzle. I don't give a shit what all the truck guys say. It's nozzle all day and y'all know it. <laughs> it's, there's
1: so much, so much scrolling by. So many emo- <laughs> You have to go back and look. The emojis scrolling by with water. There, is people say, uh Yeah, absolutely. If he says VES, I'll eat Corley's hat. That comes from Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Stone said he's gonna open the damn nozzle. Open the
0: damn nozzle. Everything gets better.
1: Bill Tischer Jr. said, Brasilia says max points with lots of laughy emojis. <laughs> I like this answer right in the middle of it, which is question number six. How are you going to deal with Kenny Pickett and the Steelers finishing last in the oh, AFC, AFC North this year? Go Browns. That's a bold prediction.
0: That is, well, remember that list I had in my class of stupid things?
1: Right. Oh, that's right. There we there, go. That, that, okay. that
0: is now on the list of stupid things. The Browns are, the, okay, well. Yeah, that's enough said. I, I'm right. sorry Jim Brown just passed. That's, that's the only thing positive, not positive. I, I hate that for the Browns. Other than that, yeah, <laughs> they'll be lucky. They're, they're, they're last place. I guarantee they're last place.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think of some sort of Browns-related <laughs> joke or meme, but uh, we need men like Todd. Comes from Robert Ramirez. Damn right nozzle from Todd Torbett. James Mitchellisco said max points. Todd Edwards from Tank fired up. Ed Morris, by the way, says, "Uh, open the dang nozzle." There For you go, damn. brother.
0: <laughs> Where's my Cleveland friend at?
1: Uh, Todd Jeff Stone said Todd scores more points than the Steelers will this year. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn bro. They jumped on that ceiling thing quick, didn't they? The man broke out the terrible towel. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Uh, absolutely, brother. That, that officially makes it, A, first of all, five for five max points. I'm, I kept right. track. Five for five max points. As scored by the audience, not just my arbitrary uh, easy scoring, but – that officially makes it one hundred and ninety-three scraps in the books.
0: That's awesome. And hey, congratulations, brother. I think what you guys are doing. And I told you this, I know you don't like hearing that crap, but you guys are killing it, man. Uh you guys are changing the fire service one show at a time in some cases. There's I love no way, hearing honestly, it. I don't know. That.
1: I'm terrible at reacting to it. I love hearing I it. Don't get I'm like, uh, thank you. <laughs> but no,
0: you, you're humble. I'm super
1: not. proud of it. I, I am super proud of it. I'm super humbled by it. All in the same like uh, breath. But thank you, 100, percent man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, and it's Don't because move. I get to interview the greatest. And I, I, I'm not saying this just because you're my guest tonight, but I, I get to interview the most humble, the most badass, the people that you know were on that fire with the with the crane rescue and at uh, the Olympic bombing. And and pick your brain, man. It's just, I'm the luckiest dude the fire service, period. So, all that being said, officially, 193 scraps in the books. Todd, Edwards, Robert, what an amazing evening. How can people get a hold of you if they want to book Breaking Barriers or Size Up or Awareness or anything like that? Uh, how do they get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, by... Because I'm anal retentive about it, is my email, which is just simply Todd Edwards, the number six at yahoo.com. Uh, Fire Life Training Associates is on Facebook. We have internet. I, of course, I have, you know, regular Facebook, Instagram, and all those type of things. But to make true contact or get something really answered, I, I respond religiously, you know, within hours of every email I get, just about. So uh, if I haven't checked it in four hours, I start getting antsy and, you know, check email this is i don't know why i just do but yeah those are the best ways to get a hold of me and then uh never just you know never hesitate to reach out man i'm always uh, available for you know if somebody just needs a bet if they need if they have a concern or a question man i will find a way to get back with you as soon as i can to help you out
1: love it (laughs) i love it here's the deal we're at 394 comments so audience we need at least six more comments before we close out to hit four hundred, so say stuff. How much you love Todd? How sexy he is? Whatever you need to say, <laughs> but make it happen. I want to hit four hundred before it logs off, and then I'll go to back to my notes if I can find them.
0: Here's a here's another tab. It's a little bit older.
1: Oh, you is this do the have first that's a tab that, ever on the scrap. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there you go. I've only ever had one Steelers fan that will admit it on the scrap.
0: <laughs> Not ashamed. I'll state stuff hey, too, if I need to.
1: I'll be honest with you, brother. I mean, you're either a diehard fan of your team or you're not. That's yeah, all there is to we got, it.
0: We got the old school leather helmet too. I love it. I love it, man. There's <laughs> no such last six comments for you.
1: There's no such thing as a bandwagon Redskins fan or or whatever they are. They're not Guardians. What are they now? Commanders.
0: Commanders. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> all right. <laughs> Some more t-
1: swag now. <laughs> Todd Edwards will sign the terrible towel and he's gonna raffle it off for somebody's uh, benefit at some point. Uh, oh, I love go, that idea. Go to firehousevigilance.com. <laughs> Become a vigilante. Here's the deal. I'm 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 getting ready to for a new project for the vigilantes. I'm gonna start looking for these sound bites of these great moments that I in the moment I don't realize it and then to, I'm going to have them help me find it. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to influence the future of the scrap, if you want to influence the guests and the, the next, next five questions for firefighters, as well as a better name for them, then be a part of it. Uh, Go to firehousevigilance.com, sign up. Uh, What else we got going on? Oh, scraps killer lineup. 2023 continues. I'm going to get Mike Turpak rescheduled. First of all, Uh, he was coming in, but he had some stuff come up that canceled it. We, Kyle Romiga stepped in and crushed. Uh, following that, Jonas, Jonas Smith was going to come in, but he's been kind of busy this weekend. Uh, <laughs> and so Todd Edwards stepped in. So those will be coming up. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You got Bob Pressler last week. Todd Edwards, my brother, thank you for another amazing scrap.
0: I appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Anytime I can help you and anybody else out.
1: I look forward to the next time I see you uh, for the audience, again, we had, I had five or six questions that me and Todd talked we topics me and Todd were going to talk about. And literally I asked one of them and then everything else came from the audience because you guys are plugged in. You're amazing. You ask questions that people want to hear the answer to. Not only that, this is the coolest part. They, they ask questions that they, they've done the research to know that Todd can answer it. That's really cool aspect of it. Uh, I'm so proud of it man I'm so proud to be a part of it Uh, thank you for tuning in live thank you for making the scrap excellent it would not exist without you mutts do not scrap I hope the tones stay silent unless it's burning everybody stay safe out there thanks brother oh yeah hold on before I hit in 438 comments they just blew it away I haven't even looked at them but they blew it away That's good. be safe everybody Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.